everybody. Um, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matthew Rossi. I'm the host. Uh, with me this week are not one, but two really great co-hosts. So we're going to do this as proper as we can. First up, um, managing editor of the site, one of the people I've known the longest, uh, Liz Harper. Say hi, Liz. Howdy, everybody. And uh, as he usually is, my the upbeat to my downbeat, the other side of my soul, Joe Perez. Hi, Joe. Hi, although I think today we are all uh, on the same side of the yin-yang, I think. Yeah, it's so. it's not a not been a great week. A um, mellow, maybe? Yeah, I, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to put this what we're talking about out in bare facts and then let other people discuss it for a bit. Last week, the California Department of, I think it's the Fair Employment and Housing? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, filed suit against Activision Blizzard. And if you have not read the complaint, I honestly don't recommend you read the complaint. It's it's hard. Yeah, it's pretty um, ugly. And this is after a two year investigation. And I I need to make at this point really clear: the investigation was two years. The misconduct goes back decade. Um, people who are very highly placed at Blizzard, including the former creative director, um, were named in this suit. And it talked about a atmosphere of misogyny and and sexism and sexual harassment and, and a marginalization that sadly is very common in gaming spaces uh, and um, tech. But, yeah. in tech in general, but especially in gaming companies and blizzards version of it was extremely bad and extremely well documented. A lot of people, I, I'm it's been a week and I still haven't wrapped my head around this. And it's one of the reasons that you hear people say things like, you know, uh, I support the, the people who came forward because you want to say more, you want to do more, but you what what is there for you to do? So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what happened. We're going to make it unequivocally clear here, though, before we even start. This is an, an awful thing, and Blizzard has to fix it. They have to get to work on this. And I think I'm going to throw it over to Liz first because today we just found out one of the ways that that might happen. Uh, if you don't mind talking about it, Liz. Um. Sure. Uh, basically, today we learned about a walkout that the employees of Blizzard is do- are doing, and um, they had a list of demands, which was actually, I mean, it's really well thought out, uh, about ending arbitration, forced arbitration clauses, which is a thing that basically forces employees, if they have a complaint, they can't take it to a court, they have to do an internal arbitration process, which almost inevitably ends up being bad for the employees. They never, you just don't get what you want when you have to go through an internal arbitration process. Um, I'm pulling up the list right now. Um, the other demand was more uh, hiring practices that are designed to improve representation. I mean, things have been statistically proven that things like just having a female name on a resume makes you less likely to get hired. And when you're in a culture that's already really misogynistic and doesn't tend to promote women, uh, that's just exaggerated. And publishing data on compensation for employees, that's another thing when you keep that secret, which most companies do, or at least discourage you from sharing compensation information. Very strongly discourage you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, even if they, yeah. Uh, So sharing compensation information, which will allow female employees to see, oh, I make... $50,000 a year, and my male colleague makes $150,000 a year, things like that. 
expedite because there can be very large pay discrepancies for different work. Um, and to empower the company-wide diversity, equity, and inclusion task force, which, I mean, that's something they already have. It doesn't sound like they've been doing a great job to audit, to get a third-party audit of the company's reporting structure and HR department and executive staff and how they've been handling this, which these are pretty big actions for a company, but that's just kind of a baseline, I think, for like trying to handle this. Yeah. Um, we've also seen in the past few days a lot of people who had left Blizzard who were in positions of authority, um, including people from the very top, like Mark Mo Mike Morheim, Mark Marheim, okay, Matt, Mike Morheim, uh, and Chris Metzen, making statements about how shocked they are and about how they support the, the statements. And this is very hard for me to say because I have been a fan of Blizzard and its games for years. But I have to wonder how it is possible to run a company and to be, by all accounts, very invested in that company, to be very active, to be responsible for initiatives like the esports initiative for StarCraft, and not know this is happening at all. You yeah. have no inkling of it. I just... So, on that topic, it's impossible. And I'm going to say this flat out, and I'm a little... Uh, if I get a little heated, well, I'm not going to apologize, because this is... They knew. They may not have wanted to know, and they may have had the privilege of ignoring it or trying to brush it away or think that's not what's actually happening or to make excuses for it, but they knew. And I can tell you this because these are people that were generally charismatic or had open door policies that people would go to. Over the last several days, I have been forcing myself to read people's accounts of this, and they're not... They're not fantastical tales. These are things that you can see happening. And when you work for somebody who says, if you have a problem, come and talk to me. And then you go and talk to them and they say, yeah, that's just kind of how he is. They know. They just didn't do enough. I'm not going to say they didn't do anything. I don't know what they did, if at all. But they didn't do nearly enough, period. And they knew. It is impossible even in a company that large, not to hear what's going on. And even not from the top. I've been working in the tech industry for 26 years. And in that 26 years, there is nothing that happens in any company that doesn't travel like wildfire. And I'm not just talking about like whispers and rumors. And management knows about this stuff because that's their job. And somebody will tell them. And what they choose to do with that information is very telling. And I have been physically disgusted to the point of nausea hearing what was told to some of these people in the hope that something would happen, that they would get help from these people that were high up on the food chain, that cared about the company, that were invested in the people that worked below beneath them, that wanted to have every voice matter, that wanted to have these tenets of virtue. And they didn't get that. What they got were blind eyes. What they got were people who made excuses or just wrangled somebody out of the party. And I physically got sick because these are some of the people that I've shared drinks with in the past. And I just feel filthy. And I can't imagine wanting to go to somebody with something so embarrassing. Because that's what a friend of mine is going, a very long-term friend of mine is going through something very similar right now. And the first words that they said to me is, you do not know how embarrassing it is to come forward, to bear your soul and be that vulnerable, and then be told, 
Sorry, that's just how they are. It's not frat behavior. It's worse than frat behavior. I'm fairly confident frats would look at this behavior and kick those people out. I'm sorry, but it's no, there's no way no, they didn't know. We are here to talk about this. That's you know, to apologize. I think one of the things that Liz and I were talking about in work chat that I think is germane here is that some people just had the privilege to be oblivious. That's what it was. Privilege. Yeah. I think I think a lot of men have the privilege to be oblivious because they don't experience this, and especially men in positions of power, it doesn't personally affect them. And you have to go sometimes for like the little stuff, you have to go, you have to pay attention to see it. And if you don't look, you're never going to see it. And this is just, you don't see it personally. So it just kind of becomes invisible. Yeah. And one of the things I, I read, one of the stories that was being shared was by a, a, a former male worker at Blizzard who was very aggressively sexually molested, straight up molested. People were groping him and making jokes about him and his wife and what they should be doing. And this to me is why this whole idea of privilege, you you need to abandon it. You need to forget what you are. You have to stop, like, stop saying, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really affect me. You have to stop rationalizing it because it will affect you. If nothing else, you should you should do it because it's the right thing to do. Like straight up, you shouldn't let people be abused. You shouldn't let this this happen. But if that doesn't work for you, if you're not particularly altruistic and you don't care, do it because look at what's happening right now. You you know, uh, I think it was Jeff Hamilton who said that nobody on the World of Warcraft team has been working since this came out. That was Thursday. It's Tuesday as we record this. So that's like. Four or five days have gone by and nobody has worked. You think that, you know, that's not good for anybody. It's well, not good for the employees. It's not good for the company. It's not good for the profit-minded people who don't seem to understand what's happening. And that's something I want both of you guys to, to chime in on because, in my opinion, the dereliction from the executives of both, you know, Blizzard itself and Activision above them has been mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about that memo. I, I would like it if, Liz, if you could talk about that memo. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I I mean, okay, which memo? Because Activision. You, you can talk about you can talk about either of them. If you want to talk about Jab's memo, go for it. But I really think Fran Townsend's is the one to talk about first. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was interesting because there were a series of responses to this lawsuit, and the first one, which I think just generically came from PR or something, came out like immediately, and it was very aggressive. It called. Uh, the state was overreaching and uh, like this was a, some kind of political maneuver when it was a two-year investigation that Blizzard had actively been involved in. Like they didn't know and were surprised that they were charged for these things California was actively investigating. Uh, then you had that email from uh, email to the company from J.L. and Breck, which was like kind and sympathetic, but at the same time, I mean, that sounded like, okay, I want to help, and this is a little PR sanitized, but it seems genuine. It's saying the right things. And then you have this email from Fran Townsend to the company, which is just super aggressive that says it kind of goes down the list of everything and every way the company does this completely right and how the state of California is bad and just completely disregards everything employees have said, every report of abuse and harassment. And even since the lawsuit was filed, the lawsuit is 30 pages of just pure horror 
terrible things that have been happening to people. And since that was filed, more people have come forward to share even more terrible stories or even mundane stories about everyday abuses. Um, yeah, like a lot of this isn't even like there's a lot of stuff that's like really, you know, physically disturbing, but a lot of it is microaggression. And I think that needs to really be discussed here because microaggression is often very hard to deal with. It's also really you, it's also really hard to know if you're engaging in like microaggressions too because you some of that stuff is just programmed into you societally and sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you but like it is something that should be talked about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um I think that first I do want to say like one thing though about the about the Fran Townsend uh I guess internal memo or email or whatever you want to call it. This was the most spectacularly tone deaf response in a long time i think the people here on this podcast have all been covering blizzard for well over a decade uh liz since 2006 me since 2007 i think joe you joined not long after i did yeah 2008 so, so we've all we've all got over 10 years of experience on this there's like something like close to 40 years of experience between the three of us right now i don't recall ever seeing someone manage to 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 launch this kind of like response from their own employees in my in the entire time I've been studying, have you, has it, either of you seen anyone do this badly? Uh, no, and I generally uh. <laughs> like my my impression over the past you know decade and a half is generally that Blizzard PR is handled sloppily at best. Um, I recently, uh, yesterday, in fact, someone sent me an email pointing out the very first post that I had written for WoW Insider, which was part of my job application to WoW Insider and was never published. Um, I mean, I didn't get hired until like a month after I applied. Um, and it was an article about Blizzard disrespecting the LGBT community. And it's like, this was the first thing I wrote, and I'm still writing about Blizzard mistreating minorities and not considering uh, just what's going on and not caring in some ways. And even in a world where that's true, where, where everything Liz just said is true, this is still the worst I've ever seen them do because this yeah. wasn't even a, this isn't even blizzard PR. Sure. Blizzard PR can be kind of sloppy, but blizzard PR wants to have good PR. This was somebody doing something they thought would stay fully internal and clearly trying to put the boot on the neck of the employees. Yeah, and, and make them make them understand their place. Not only that, but try to make them understand their place while also turning it into something political as opposed to, hey, this is messed up and should never happen in the first place. No, 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 no. They 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 release a statement that's like, no, this is clearly politically driven because we haven't learned anything in the last four years. Well, I mean, as one person pointed out, Somebody who joins a company in March 2021 is probably not all that qualified to make a sweeping grand statement huh. about the corporate culture oh, at God. that company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, we can talk about Maybe. that. One of the things that is interesting is that they, the Fran Townsend email, if I'm recalling correctly, kind of immediately said some of this, uh, some of these problems happened, you know, 10 years ago, happened a decade ago. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, one, that doesn't make it better. And also, two, we've seen these really earnest-sounding apologetic statements from Morheim and Metzen that, like, sounded really genuine. And then you say Blizzard's official statement is, well, no, this has been going on forever, implying that it's not my fault. 
And two, after getting after they after Morheim and Metzen released their respective statements, you started seeing tons of reports saying, no, you knew about this. It's not just that you were ignorant, but you knew you see people saying, I reported something to you or you said something to me and you may not remember it, but this happened. And there are too, there are way too many reports to ignore or think this was an isolated incident or someone having a single bad day or whatever you want to say. There are yeah, absolutely. hundreds of these and they keep piling up. Yeah, people have been like throughout the weekend, people that used to work at Blizzard have been coming out with, oh, well, I worked at Blizzard from this point to this point and I've only recently gotten over the trauma of it. Um, when somebody who is in a position of authority at a company's wife says, yeah. yeah, I've got PTSD from my time at Blizzard. It's like, I, I, I turned to my wife when I heard that, when I saw that and said, it, how is it possible to not know? You know, you're, you're living with someone. It, they're having real problems. If nothing else, you'll probably have an argument with them about it sooner or later, because that's just life. You don't understand how bad someone's doing until they tell you. And but you can see that something's happening. It just especially it from somebody, my mind. Especially from somebody who has complex PTSD from something like that. Um, they could be micro-triggers. There could be things that aren't full-blown fights, but they change the dynamic of the relationship as a result of it. Um, it. It's one of those things that, like, but even then, you know. Like, that person isn't the same as they were before that event. And, like, it, it's impossible to not know. And, like, we talk about the, the tone deafness of this, this, this thing... I want to point out some of the other things that were mentioned in it that I'm going to call out for some corporate bullshit. So we talk about in all this investment they're doing in all these programs. What that usually winds up being is uh, flyer campaigns, posters around the office talking about speaking up and doing the right thing. Uh, but it rarely ever actually invests in doing anything to fix a problem. It very rarely does anything to actually try to get anybody to report or participate or, or to do it because all it is is a propaganda campaign. And this is a classic corporate thing, right? This is something that companies have been doing for generations at this point. Um, talking about investing and strengthening our employee network, uh, trying to bring everybody together. That means that they're maybe spend a few bucks here and there to maybe have a couple zoom meetings or something else. Um, that, and then it specifically calls out business units and the introduction of executive sponsors. What even is that? That usually means somebody on an executive team at a C level is sitting on a board or a group, uh, like a committee made up of people who are too scared to say anything in those meetings. And then those meetings that they're, you know, are on their schedule or on their calendar that they go to once a month, twice a month, whatever, they sit there quiet and that hour time that's blocked off becomes 15 minutes because that executive wants to get the hell out of there. I've lived that. I know those words. Those aren't comforting words. And I guarantee you that as soon as those people read those words, they felt the same thing. It's it's beyond tone deaf. It's beyond unknowing. And like Liz pointed out, you said that we had some very earnest sounding uh, comments. That's not the same as saying I messed up, right? None of them said that none of them took ownership. And I'm seeing a whole lot of that, too, out there. None of these people both, want to take ownership for their part in it. I mean, both Metzen and Morheim were like, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this happened on your watch. This was widespread. People told you about it, and now you're saying, I had no idea. And it's I will, just... I, I will at least say that at least Metzen said, I failed. 
Mm. But I that's not enough to say you failed. You have to say how you failed. If you did yeah. if you don't understand what you did and this is something that is I I am of like a lot of different minds about this because I have in my life been the problem and I'm just going to admit it. I have been the person who made other people feel uncomfortable. I've been the person who said and did things that were wrong because I wanted so desperately to fit in. I wanted to be part of something. And that's a big problem here. That mentality in the leadership is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. The idea that you you have to prove yourself, you have to, you have to accept these things because it's just what it's part of the culture. No, it's (sighs) things don't get better if you just try to fit in and get along. But at the same time, like there, there's no incentive for people to break out of, of those habits of chameleons. I know. Yeah, if, especially if the leadership is not yeah. giving them the incentive. Yeah. And I mean, I fell into those traps early into my career because I wanted to belong because I needed to make sure that I fit and that I could stick because I was worried about being singled out and I needed to make sure that this worked and I didn't want to be the problem. And I became the problem. Like that's a thing that happens. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's it's I was at least able at some point to see that and course correct and make up for what I screwed up. Yeah, I'll flat out say that it was wrong when I did it. I was wrong. Yeah. And I was wrong because I was ignorant and I was ignorant because I didn't have any reason to to make myself not be ignorant until people flat out told me, no, this is Mm -hmm. the thing you're doing. It's bad. It's wrong. You shouldn't do it. You're hurting people. And then I was like, oh, my God. And there's the the urge to be defensive, and I think we're seeing some of that. A, a lot of times, people are trying to defend themselves, but this isn't about defending yourself. It's not about well, I'm I'm a good person. What what's the saying? That's um, the wrong yeah, argument. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stop. It doesn't matter. If you're a good person. It's what are you doing? What have you done? Not not who you are inside that counts. We don't care. This isn't an after school special. These are people's lives and careers. People have left. You know, there were people who were working at Blizzard, which is, you know, prestige wise, one of the best places to work. It's it's a it's a door opener. It's on your resume now. And there these people left not just Blizzard, they left the the occupation, they mm-hmm. left the career behind because of how traumatized they were. That's just think about what that means. What what the in what the place was like if somebody just turns their back on, on their everything they ever wanted, their aspirations, their their goal to be this. I mean, for every person who left and went into another to another company is working there now. And we've told we've told jokes for years about the Blizzard to Riot pipeline. Um, but for all that, there's a lot of people who just straight up left, and and they're like working in a like one. I remember reading one person's story, and at the end she was like, "Yeah, I, wor- I work in a, like a, a cat hospital now." And I'm, there's nothing wrong with working in the cat hospital. I I've got a perfectly good reason. To, to be totally for that, but it, it is a massive shift to make. It is, it is a big change to make, and you didn't make it because you wanted to. You made it because people treated you like garbage. It, it is not important that you establish to us how good a person you are. Um, it's important that this get fixed. You kind of prove how good a person you are by how you react. If someone says, you've done something that has harmed me, you don't say, no, I've done everything right. No, I did X, Y, and Z to not harm you. You say, okay, what can I do? You, like, try not to do those things anymore instead of saying how great you already are. It's like, if you've caused harm, you're like, okay, how can I 
how can I stop causing harm? Because I think kind of the minimum possible for having a for being a good person is to care about how other people feel, to have empathy for other people, and to not want to hurt others, not want to actively harm others. I don't think that's a high bar. Shouldn't be, no. And yet, this is what we're seeing. Instead of trying to help and trying to improve things for employees, they're like, no, this didn't happen because we took all of these really good steps to prevent it from happening, and also it happened a really long time ago, so it's not our fault. I, I, I do think there's... A lot of it is obviously the usual corporate fear of litigation, the the corporate fear of but of they they very clearly don't dropping. have to for, worry about that. They have the arbitration clause in that place. Well, Just no, I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking me, I'm about sorry. The, the lawsuit. Yeah, I know. I'm talking <laughs> about one, the lawsuit from the state, and for that matter, one, one thing they have really explicitly said is we're you know we're in the right and we want to prove ourselves in court. Yeah, they, they always I say think that. It was in the Fran Townsend, Townsend email, and I think it's. It's insane to try to prove this in court. So much more would come out if they take this to court, but they're being really aggressive about we're in the it's, right and we will prove it. It's a tactic. It's mm. it's a tactic to try to get people to back down and back away from participating. It this is this is nothing new. Companies have been doing this for years. Well, I mean, also look if the state of California hadn't gotten involved. The state of California is powerful enough to fight a multi-billion dollar corporation mm -hmm. uh average person number 713 that that felt driven out of their job and mistreated can't really swim with blizzard activision blizzard's lawyers well this is just a fact and this goes back to some other things too there's a, there's a lot of other factors that go into this as well um we we've talked about this before too the one of the reasons that companies don't want you to, to share wages with each other isn't just for the disparity but also so that you don't realize how little you're getting paid compared to other people for what you're doing and when you are dependent on the company for your livelihood you are less likely to be a quote-unquote rabble rouser and you're less likely because if anything happens and right now if you can't find a job that pays close to what you were making you're out of a house. You might have a family to feed. Medical care. Medical care. And I've been in all of those situations. And let me tell you, ain't fun. And it is terrifying. And if you haven't experienced it, I hope you never do. But it puts you in a certain, a relative position where when there's arbitration, so you can't, you, you have something in your contract that's going to force you to go through that before you can go to a lawyer. Lawyers are expensive, especially when you're the only one trying to do something. You're segregated from the other people and isolated because that's a big key factor in what happens in these situations is, you know, whether it's, it's an, it's what happens when people think it doesn't happen on my team. It doesn't happen on your team and your team is separated from the rest doing whatever it's doing. And yes, you intermingle, but you don't intermingle on a daily basis at the same level as those individuals that may experience this. And they feel alone or isolated and maybe don't have that support now to sit and, and find common people to go and do this. So you think you're on your own. And like you said, that's expensive. State of California, on the other hand, doesn't have that problem. They can levy it. They can go after it like they did in 2013 against Bobby Kotick. This is not the first time that his name will be dropped uh, in a lawsuit involving sexual harassment and lewd conduct and behavior. Uh, as a matter of fact, I seem to remember that shareholders at the time were very, very close to firing him because of how much heat he brought down from the state of California. Why they didn't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is not the first time 
And it took the state to get any movement on that whatsoever before anybody cared. It's the same thing, right? I mean, ultimately, since I'm not a lawyer, I'm not really qualified to talk about legal moves here. Uh, I want to make that clear, because quite frankly, uh, if I told you anything about what's going on legally, you really shouldn't trust it. I don't know anything about it. But it's relatively apparent that the the only people who are taking steps to try and get this actually fixed are the employees at Blizzard right now. Um, they're the ones who sign open letters. I mean, the, the, the open letter was up to 2,600 signatures. Keep my Blizzard. I think is it, is, is it all of Activision Blizzard or just Blizzard employs ten thousand? Do, do we know which? Keep talking. I'll find I'm it. I'm not. Okay, but um, of- one. I do have a correction to send you. What I the number I heard as of seven o'clock central tonight was thirty three hundred signatures. So thirty three hundred signatures, which is even Blizzard, more. Considering- Blizzard Entertainment is four thousand seven hundred employees. So four thousand seven hundred employees at Blizzard itself, and ten thousand at Activision Blizzard. Of that. 3,300 current and former. Now, current and former is in there, so there are people in there who do not currently work at Blizzard. But still, 3,300 people have signed that letter. That is... I keep coming back to this. This is like... uh, This is the biggest corporate revolt I've seen ever. This... I'm going to just say this right now, and, and you can think about it what you want. You can do what you want with it. I would not be surprised if we see mass unionization across the game industry. Good. No, it would be good. I don't, I'm not disputing that. But if you told me that last year that something would happen that could even make me say that and believe it might happen, I would not have believed you. Like the game industry has been super notorious, tech in general, super notorious about not wanting to unionize. Oh, and also just being a terrible place to work. You have at the same time, of, yeah. You have a ton of crunch. You have a ton of offices that you know don't respect your time and expect you to work overtime, even if you're like salaried and you don't get paid overtime. There's me, this whole culture. Yeah, let, go let for me, it. Let me let you in on a little secret, those of you listening <laughs> at the podcast recording uh, or listening live. If you ever interview for a job and they t- say this line to you, run. If they say, we work hard and play harder, run. That means that they want to monopolize your time, get you to work as hard as you possibly can till you drop, while making sure you have no life-work balance whatsoever until you burn out and are replaced by the next young hopeful that wants to be there. The minute you hear those words, it's a kiss of death. Don't take that job. One thing like employers do, especially try and make these hip, exciting office spaces with all of these benefits and, you know, Friday afternoons with drinks and beer and what they're doing is getting you to stay in the office. They're making the office seem like such a great place with Mm -hmm. all of these perks, but the perks are kind of a trap. They're to get you in there and keep you in there and not have you leave the office for lunch and... All of these things to keep you working and encourage this kind of crunch culture where if you don't, if you don't work late hours, well, you're not working hard enough. We might have to replace you kind of thing. That's the culture. But but they won't won't ever say that. They won't ever say that. Yeah. It should also be pointed out, though, that the culture we're talking about, the culture where they, you know, they have drinks and so forth is also a big part of why the toxicity happened at Blizzard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because people... One of the things you hear a lot when people are like, well, I reported and someone said, oh, well, he was drunk. Mm. It's like, you shouldn't be getting drunk at work because then you do things at work to your coworkers. You know, I used to, I, 
I am an alcoholic. I don't drink anymore. I haven't had a drink since 2000. But between like the time my mom died, 1991, and 2000, I was drinking something like a fifth of, of scotch or like a case of beer in a couple days. That's And that's just when I was just by myself. That's never mind when I would go out to a bar and get absolutely po-faced, just drunk to, to the point of like beyond inebriation and into Yoda talking. The things you do when you are intoxicated to that level, they are still your responsibility. You're not mm-hmm. absolved of that just because you went and took a, 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 a drug first. And that's what alcohol is, so let's not even bother. You don't get to just walk away from that. You're still responsible for what you do when you're on it. I thank God that I never did anything truly horrible. But if I had, it would have been on me. And that's just one example of how you make them like a, just a toxic it, misogynistic culture and you, you force people into the, these situations where everything is high pressure all the time there's never a safety valve or a release you then add things like you know stimulants and alcohol to the mix you tell people you know you, you, you know you know we, we are like you know we, we play hard and we you know we work hard and we play hard but you're not really playing you know what i mean it's this a, is not a game it's a well it is, it is in the fact that it's a setup like, and I hate to say it in such a cynical way, but like, that's what it feels like when you go to these parties and like you're in those environments and they're just feeding you alcohol. It's a recipe for disaster. Like, I know people think, oh, open bars, the being paid for by the company are a great thing. It's not. It's really not. It's a catalyst for awful, awful things to happen. Right. Like I used to. I, when I, sorry, go ahead, Liz. One thing that is really kind of important with this kind of Pratt boy culture was exactly what the state called it in their lawsuit is women have a very different attitude to things like that than men. There's a very different comfort level and safety level. Like as a woman, when you go out to a bar, you have all kinds of things you need to think about. Like you've got to keep an Mm -hmm. eye on your drink. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone tampered with your drink. You probably want a buddy system so that if someone harasses you, you have like a safety and just all of these things where you are around a bunch of, you know, drunk people or you're in a bar and there's kind of this casual setting where particularly men tend to be like in that sort of casual setting. It's it's different for a man and a woman and it may be fun for a man and a little intimidating or frightening for a woman. But if you don't participate in these corporate events, you're no fun. What's wrong with you? Don't you like having fun? And you get, like, there's a corporate expectation expectation from your coworkers that you participate in these things. There's, like, a social pressure. Yeah. I'm going to tell a little story. I used to work as a bouncer because, again, I could get free alcohol. Um, So I I worked as a bouncer for a couple of years when I was in grad school. And one night... I saw a guy tamper with someone's drink. Mm-hmm. I just flat out saw him do it. So I went up and before the woman could drink, I'm like, you don't want to drink that. He, I saw him put something in it while you were, uh, you were using the payphone because this was before cell phones were quite that common. They existed. It was like 1997, 1998, but they weren't super common yet. Not everybody had them. And so she was like, you know, of course, horrified. And then I, I talked to like the only other guys who worked there and we were like, we went over to corral the guy and his friend who'd been drinking with him broke a beer bottle and jammed me in the arm. I have a scar from it. That guy was a Georgetown University divinity student. He wanted to be a priest. 
that is the kind of thing that happens when you run into privilege and you mm -hmm. run into people who believe that they have the right to do what they want or that what they're doing is harmless. They don't, there's no thinking and they don't, and if there is thinking, it's, it's, it's selfish thinking. And this is absolutely dead on about all the ways women have to be worried about this stuff. Now, and it is, it is crazy how bad it is. Even a step further, like to that too, is there's this weird cultish nature behind a lot of this behavior as well. I, with a company that will not be named, uh, went to my very first corporate party and I saw somebody who everybody knew was off slip something into somebody's drink and try to encourage the 18 year old intern to go and make a move because they wanted to groom somebody to be a predator just like them. I got fired from that job for beating the shit out of that person. And I'm glad I did. But it's a behavior that I know exists. Because there's shame involved in getting somebody to do that too. And then telling them later, oh yeah, by the way, she was drugged. They try to make more predators and ha ha have this culture flourish. And I abhor it. I think um, one of the things to talk about too is the concept of broken stare theory. Probably not me. You should talk about it. If, if you want to, Liz, you can, or I'll do want to. Uh, you go for it. I'm not really familiar. Basically, it, it's related to the concept of a whisper network. Mm. There's people in a community that everybody knows are a problem. But for whatever reason, be it, for instance, they're highly placed in the, in the community, they're powerful in the corporation, what have you, you can't do anything about them. You can't stop them. It's like having a broken stare that everybody knows is broken, mm. so everybody avoids it. But nobody can just fix the stare. You don't have the power to do that. The stare has the ability to reject any effort you might make. You know, the, perhaps the, the stare is the creative director or something who has <laughs> multiple characters named after him. And as a result, you know, um, these situations, they, they are inherently, there's a, there's a whole concept of like, you know, how privilege works. And one of the ways that I've always felt was the best way to describe it is sometimes it isn't lifting anybody up. It's just actively pushing people down. And it's always certain people who get pushed down. Often women, often, you know, people of the LGBT community, often people of minority descent. Marginalized people. Yeah, people who are marginalized mm -hmm. get stepped on. And then the, the thing that is given to everybody else is, you know, the subtle or not so subtle, you don't want to be that, do you? You know, you have to get along. You don't want to, like, cause trouble. And, you know, look what happened to them. You, you need to, to, to get along. Oh, God, how many times have I heard you're not angry like the other Hispanics I've met, right? Yeah. There, there is the, the women who have come forth, and in some cases the men, the, the, you know, some minorities are not, who've come forth, are trying to tell you about a fire that you don't know is happening. Because you're not, you know, you're up on the 10th floor, you can ignore it. Mm. It's the canary in the coal mine situation. The canary dies because the canary is sensitive to it. You are not. And if you don't pay attention to that canary, you'll die when it gets worse. Which it... <sighs> one thing one thing along these lines is like, okay, when this came out, I mean, the extent of it surprised me. The number of reports surprised me. How horrible a lot of it was surprised me. It did not surprise me. Like, the, the scale of it surprised me, but the fact that this existed did not surprise me. Some of the people named it did not surprise me because certainly as a woman, there is kind of a whisper network where you know 
okay, you should be careful around this one. Or if someone gives off a weird vibe, you are careful around them. And you know who those people are, and you have those whispered conversations like just, like, don't be alone with this person. Be careful around this person. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that kind of makes me a little heartened about this lawsuit is it's no longer this whisper network. It's out in front of everyone. It's obvious. Um, because that the secrecy that you get when it's just a whisper network, when you think you can't touch these people, when you think you can't stop it. So all you're doing is protecting yourself as best you can. Um, you know, you can't stop sexual harassment. So, okay, I'm going to try and avoid the parties. I'm going to make sure I have someone with me. I'm going to make sure I'm not alone with this person. Things like that. You do what you can to protect yourself because you don't feel like you can do anything else because everything that happens is quiet or it's not listened to and this put everything out in front of people yeah i mean there's a lot more we could talk about i i do think we should talk about because we talked about it in the pre-show but we haven't talked about it here uh during the walk the the walkout that's happening the activision blizzard walkout that's happening tomorrow um the employees are going to be demonstrating either at home in a virtual walkout or actually at blizzard itself um we will not be doing any posts uh, unless there's news about the walkout, something specific. I, Liz, you talked about it before, so you should talk about it. And I think even at the pre-show, we said, okay, we should leave with this. And then we got completely distracted, distracted. and talked yes. about everything else. Um, uh, so yes, during the walkout, we at Blizzard Watch will not be publishing any content, except if some news comes up about the walkout. And I may be uh, on the Twitter account retweeting stuff to uh, get to to signal boost Blizzard's employees if I see something, but we won't be posting, we won't be talking unless we're sharing something that comes from Blizzard. So we stand in solidarity with Blizzard's employees. We hope a big enough statement can make corporate listen and acknowledge that all of these bad things are happening and do something about it. Yeah. And I don't know that us not publishing things helps, but we can take we can do this small thing and i think everyone wants something to do and one of the ways this feels terrible is that there's you don't know that there's anything you can do and that just feels awful yeah nobody wants to feel complicit um, right but at the same time what what are you supposed to do and i've heard all sorts of things and you know do any of them help I will say, um, and I, I'm interested in what you guys think about this. I, I have been somewhat heartened by the response of the actual employees at Blizzard. Oh, 100%. Yeah, uh, that all, a lot of people are coming forward and supporting each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on a personal note, I mean, I've, I've, I've never met anybody like who's been named so far. I don't really, I've never met any of the higher ups. Uh, I never met Mike Morheim, never met Chris Metzen, nothing like that. Um, but I have met a lot of people at Blizzard, and the people I have met have been uniformly great, um, wonderful people, smart, funny, talented. Uh, I was really happy to get to meet and know them. Uh, some of them have left since. One of my friends just went off to, to make a Star Wars game, so mm -hmm. yay for her. Yep. Um, and, and, and she herself told me, you know, just it was just timing. Just, she had, it wasn't really about this, although she certainly was aware of it and got tired of it. And that's that's a common refrain. Even the people who weren't harassed knew it was happening, and it and it creates an, an air. It's, it's not a surprise that a lot of people left 
to go do things and you're like, what? Why would they leave? Now you look back and then go, oh, okay, that's why. But I, I do think that the people who are there are committed, at least some of the people who are there are committed to changing it. A lot of them, based on what we're seeing, are, are committed to changing it and working to change it. And I really hope somebody up a higher is paying attention and realizes that the only way forward is to get out ahead of this. Maybe you're not doing it because you're a good person. It doesn't matter if you're doing it because you're a good person as long as you do it. I don't care about the moral rectitude of a corporation. No corporation is your friend. Yeah, no. Period. Close. That, that, that's, they don't exist for that. They are money machines. They are there to make money for the people who put money in them. That's what they are. So, no. Blizzard isn't my friend. There are people at Blizzard who I consider my friends. There's people at Blizzard I respect and think are, are, are people I've had good interactions with and I, I believe would want to do the right thing. That's uh, true. Real quick, I'm just going to interject our discussion to answer a question from chat. Uh, Somniorum, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, um, wanted to know if the statement on the from the WoW team on the launcher right now is a reflection of the will of the employees or, as I've heard some cynically argue, something written by some lawyers is damage control. We have heard there are tweets that are pe from people that I trust that are saying that this is from the employees, that they were given the the latitude to make the statement and make the changes that are being worked on right now. Um, so I actually do believe uh, that this is not corporate. This is the employees being allowed to do it and maybe corporate understanding that if they don't, it's just going to be worse for them. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm hoping for at this point is that they realize uh, we, have, we have wreaked untold damage on ourselves by not stopping this in the first place for all these years. Like, I, you've all seen the BlizzCon 2010 panel that's been going around the internet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Which, I'm going to say this. Liz, I'm pretty I, sure that at the time you commented on this stuff. I'm, I'm sure I did because there was – we should probably say what it was for anyone who hasn't seen it because we haven't posted about it. It's just so disgusting. I just don't want to talk about it, and here I am talking about it. Um. It's basically a woman going up during the WoW Q&A and uh, asking about representation. You know, why yeah, why are women represented like this in the game? And is there room for women to be represented in other ways? Um, and they were just like, we, we aren't going to talk about this. We don't, you know, they just gave this a big I don't care vibe. And, you know, Afrasiabi, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. That's I always Robbie. get his name wrong. Um, and Greg Street were just up there on the street on the stage. Was was Jay Allen Brack up there as well? I forget. I don't think. But so. there he's were... not. He's not in the clip I've seen. That doesn't mean he wasn't there. Okay. It doesn't mean he was. Um. So yeah, there are just all of these men in position of power, and a woman went up and asked them about this, and they were just like, "Yeah, whatever." They basically laughed at her. Yeah. They laughed. So, at Somniorum says that Brack was up there during that. Yes, and so does uh, mm -hmm. Liz Machina. Uh, I, yeah, I so just yeah. haven't seen him as all. Well. But yeah, I, I'm willing to believe he was up there. So you you bring something like this up and you just get kind of laughed out of the room. And I mean, Blizzard did this. Blizzard has been bad with representation for a long time. And I think they worked hard to get better at it. Oh, yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't change the fact. What was it? The one that I remember you, uh, me, I think, Anne. I don't remember who the other people were, but the it was Anne, yeah, Annabelle talking about the boys trip. Mm. From Warlords of Draenor. God, yep. I, I'm still, I'm still so frustrated by that. Now, basically, that was Chris Metzen, 
up on the BlizzCon stage talking about, okay, why aren't there any women in Warlords of Draenor? Why aren't there any big female characters? Where are they? And he said, it's a boys trip, you know, talking like, oh, the women of Azeroth are nagging wives and we're going to go off and have fun and have a boys trip was kind of the big implication there. And I was at BlizzCon. I was physically at BlizzCon when that happened. And I just, you know, my heart sank to my toes because it was just this, it was Chris Metzen up on the BlizzCon stage in front of everyone, in front of every Blizzard fan, every WoW fan. And he was saying, women don't belong. Women aren't wanted. Women aren't any fun. Why would we want them in a video game? And it was just crushing. I mean, unless, like, unless the woman is wearing, like, you know, armor that right, completely bikini, exposes. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm never gotten over this because I had just switched to a to playing a female character. Mm-hmm. And I went and transmog farmed a bunch of armor and found out Oh, hey, that set you were going to wear doesn't have a chest plate. It just has cups. Uh, <laughs> it's like I had this look planned out. And I realize this is like, you know, who cares, Matt? But the point being, if if women constantly have to go through this, where their character, you know, I want to play this strong warrior. Nope. Here's your, here's your stomach. Why is my stomach out? They'll stab me there. Nope. <laughs> stomach's out. Um, yeah, and, and it just it comes up again and again and again and again. And, like, the thing is, when you have the people in charge are expressing this opinion, this is a joke. Women aren't wanted. We don't want women in our game. You know, why would we have... It's a boys' trip. Why would we have women here? When you have that message from people so high up, like, people just completely worship Chris Metzen. He's, like, the guy at Blizzard. He's the genius that came up with, you know, there's just this really worship culture of Metzen. When he gets on the stage and says... Ah, women, we don't want them around. They're no fun. That's not what we're making the game for. This is that message sinks down. That's yeah. the entire corporation. They take cues from this guy, and so that gets internalized by everybody. And like, this is something that I think a lot of people. I don't say a lot of people don't understand, but I think is something that's glossed over a lot. Is at events like that when they're on stage. Those are the official representations of the views of the company, right? Mm-hmm. When they're in interviews, those are the official representation of the company. And I'll, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here on how interviews go with game personalities, because I've been doing that for a mm-hmm. number of years with a number of companies. Invariably, if it's not on a live stage... When you are talking with that individual, whether it's face-to-face in a room or on a call or on a video call, whatever, there's a handler present. That handler Mm -hmm. is there not to make sure that the person, you know, necessarily only doesn't say something they're not supposed to reveal, but also to make sure they're towing the company line. And so when you Mm -hmm. get up, when you get up on a stage and you don't have that, you're getting to see the the truth behind the curtain, right? Yeah. And, and, and even if they don't realize it, this is the, the way that I equate it is a lot of this is a hangover of mentality from what is ingrained. I, I don't know how else to say it. Ingrained misogyny. Right. It's when I was growing up and I think Matt probably has seen this, too, and I'm sure you have as well is there was always this 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 group of guys that it was always the bravado. It was always the 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 member swinging like oh, I'm the biggest of this and I can do this. And it was always this this chest puffing thing. And it was never about being human. It was about being more than human. And I saw it a lot in D&D groups. I saw it a lot in tabletop groups, a lot in game stores. And 
all of this stuff makes sense that it's still going on because they never grew up. They may have wives and kids, but they mm-hmm. never grew up. They never had, they never had, they were never forced to. They had the privilege to not grow up. They got to make games and, for a living and, and not have any yeah. consequences to their actions. And that's what happens. And part of that is when you're surrounded by other people who act the same way, mm-hmm. you normalize that. It's like, okay, everyone around me acts this way, so it's normal. And you're, if you aren't sure how to act, you take cues from everyone around you and you're like, okay, this is normal. This is how everyone acts, so this is fine. Yeah, like and I mentioned before, people want mm-hmm. to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Especially they- when you get your dream job. And mm-hmm. that's the real tragedy here for the people who were abused in this way. They got their dream job. For some of these people, this has been something like, I t- just the other day I saw on Twitter, like to, I think it was actually today, this morning I posted it in, in work chat. Somebody's like, yeah, I got this job at Blizzard. And I'm like, you know, this feels like the opening to a horror movie now. Yeah. Like I feel yeah, like I should was... be warning this girl. Did, did you not notice what's been going on? It was a woman who posted this like yesterday. I got this job at Blizzard sounding really excited and it's just, oh, yeah. Have you have you not heard the news? <laughs> um, you know, we've been talking about this, uh, but yeah, it is. Um, to, I don't have any answers, and and we're running, we're getting close yeah. to the end of the show. But I will and, say we have a, yeah. we have we have another thing that I think does actually warrant. I think uh, in chat warrant a response from us. It's what changes would we like to see from Blizzard? And I'm the gonna, stuff that the people have demanded. That's a good start. One hundred percent of that. Some form of accountability. Some form of transparency, uh, looking at everything on the, the, the list of demands—that's a really good start. Because I can tell you, I can tell you from firsthand experience, when your workforce of talented, creative people who pour themselves into what the stuff that they make for you are miserable, you don't get good productivity, and your products suck. And you can see the lack of it, the wear of it, when people are worn down and beaten down. And at the end of this. I would love to see this be a catalyst for the game industry to unionize. Sorry. One thing. No, that's, I agree with you hundred percent. One thing I think that was very important that was called out. And I think you don't naturally think of this. There's a call for diverse hiring yes. in, in gaming. And one of the problems, one of the reasons you want that, one of the problems it solves is when you have a bunch of white guys in a room, they have their culture, they have their bubble they reinforce their own stereotypes. They, everything they do is normal to them. And they don't necessarily think about perspectives a woman might have or a person of color might have or, or an LGBT person might have. They just don't think of them because they're not, this isn't normal for them. So by bringing diversity onto your team, you get all of these new perspectives that will really fight problems with misogyny and racism and harassment because you have people in the room who are going to see, okay, this isn't normal. This isn't right. Maybe you think it's fine because no one has told you it isn't fine because it's been fine all your life, but it's not fine. And when you don't have those voices, you may never even realize it's wrong. And I certainly think that's part of what happened at Blizzard. You have all of these white men, all of them in management, and maybe some of it was completely innocuous because they never... They have a perspective, and they never broke out of it, and they never tried to hire diversely, and they just never knew. I mean, they did know. P- no, people reported this to them, but they, they never... They didn't take it seriously because they it wasn't something... They never recognized it. Yeah. It didn't happen to them. This this can't, this can't this possibly behavior, be real. This place is too good for that to happen. Yeah, I well, think and it's... All of, no, go ahead. All of this misogynistic behavior was, you know, normal. 
this is normal. And it's it can be normal behavior that's really uncomfortable or harassing to other people. And I think it's dangerously easy to be like that, to have your own perspectives and just not realize that what you're doing is not good for other people. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, one thing I'd like to see, quite frankly, is uh, much greater focus, not just on diversity because of, you know, gender and, and orientation, but also straight up hire some disabled people. Yeah, they're, all, they're always left out of this conversation, too. Yeah, and part of the reason I'm saying this is because I am disabled, yeah. and I know how it feels to suddenly become disabled. And there needs to be more people who just have a different way of looking at things. And I'm not saying, you know, fire all the white guys, because, uh, you know, I am a white guy, sort of, at least kind of. <laughs> I look like one. I mean, that's the other problem is, like, if you look at me, I look, like, very masculine. There is very little feminine about my physicality. Um, and I, I think I'm more of an androgynous person than I look. But if you don't, you don't make the effort to put, not just to hire these people either, because you can hire all the people you want. If they don't have the power to do anything, then it doesn't matter. Like you could have, like, you could, like, you could go on a hiring jag right now and hire, like, you know, a hundred new women. If they don't, if none of those women can do anything about it. Yeah, they'll just be victims, or or like, if they're it, if they're not given the space to to do their job, even like yeah, exactly. nothing's going to happen. Um, if you're not promoting the women that you hire, if you're not promoting the marginalized people, the, you know the LGBT people, um, if you're not like accepting of them, it, it's not going to change because you've you know stuff calcifies at the top, and mm -hmm. then you see like I mean, Alan Adam, you know, came back to Blizzard after like a decade gone. And was immediately put into a, a position like near the top. You How know, do you think Frank that felt to the person who was working towards that role before that happens? I've been that person. It is know? soul crushing. And it, it is. We're, we're, I, I don't. I don't want to make this sound like it's hopeless. I don't want to make it sound like Blizzard is so much worse than any other company because, quite frankly, it isn't. And I've seen enough people make that comment who have been at Blizzard and been at other companies. Um, if you think, you know, well, I'll just play this game because it's this one's, you know, pure and good. I'll, I'll call it out. I'll call it out right now. People have been saying that Final Fantasy 14 is the answer and they're so much happier because it's a company that does that treats its employees like great. Well, boy, do I have some disappointing news for you. Uh, there's stories about that starting to come out, too. And it's everywhere it, in the industry. Any any gaming company you uh, you go to has some kind of abuse like this on some level. I mean, heck, one of I'm streaming Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now. Yeah. Ubisoft, go look at what yeah. happened there. I mean, they wouldn't even put a woman in charge of a game for years, much less have one as playable yeah. in the Assassin's Creed line. Let alone oh my a main God. character, yeah. yeah. I, I, one of the things they are kind of infamous for saying was that women were really hard to animate. I mean, they couldn't possibly... No, that's a, that's a public thing. They, no, they I know. Like, I, I agree. <laughs> Now, it wasn't like, haha, that's funny. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe they said that. Yeah. This is why this is why they couldn't make a female character, a main female character, because women were so hard to animate. And, uh, you know, just their perspectives like this throughout the gaming industry. Yeah. 
There is there is one other thing because we are running short on time, and I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm usually the one that has to wrangle the end of this thing. But there's an important <laughs> question from chat that we talked about on Lore Watch, and I think we should address here as well. Uh, the question was what we are going to do as a site. Uh, if we are going to stay Blizzard Watch, if we're going to still report on that content, uh, or if we're going to quit talking about Blizzard. And I'm going to quote a dear friend of mine. Uh, why would I do that? They can get the hell out. They're the ones that suck. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Sorry. <laughs> it was absolutely. But yeah. the, the point is, I think we're still going to be doing what we're doing. And I'm, I'll shut up and let Liz go because she's sort of the boss. Um, yes. But we can do more things. We will be expanding our coverage. And this is, this is the official recording. Um, we are launching Tavern Watch. We are launching a podcast that's not going to be talking about Blizzard games. If you've been a fan of this podcast, you know that we don't necessarily only talk about it on the pre-show. Uh, we have an off-topic content, and we've been talking about doing more of that. Um, we can do two things, and we can be critical and demand change. We can demand that our community's voices be heard, that we be better and do better and f ask those that are in charge of the things we love to be better and do better while continuing to support our friends that have poured themselves into these games who are so distraught and rife with anxiety right now uh, that I'm watching them deteriorate. I've been checking in on people for a week straight and I'm going to keep doing it. And so what I, I, and Liz can tell me to shut up at any moment here, but I think we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to expand our coverage and we're going to keep doing what we do best, which is try to make a good community, make us the best community we can and hold them absolutely accountable to be better and do better. Yeah. And one of the things I feel about, you know, all the people who are not playing, who are like, oh, I'm not going to play Blizzard games anymore. This is too horrible. I can't play a Blizzard game anymore. Canceled my subscription. Um, I think the big problem with doing that is if you say, ah, I'm done with the Blizzard calling it a day, problem solved. You know, I, I hit them in the wallet, they get the message, problem solved. But it's an industry-wide problem, mm -hmm. and you can't just say, I'm boycotting Blizzard, and now everything's fine, because this is everywhere. If you go and support any game developer, any big game developer, they have the same problems. Uh, so, no, we are definitely not walking away from Blizzard games. A lot of us enjoy playing them. A lot of us enjoy talking about them. Obviously, here we are. Um, and a lot of us enjoy the community around them. You know, we enjoy logging on and playing with our friends. And I think that's always been the heart of Blizzard games. And that's what makes or breaks them. Even when we don't agree with developer decisions, even when we don't think Classline is at its best, we log into World of Warcraft because we want to play with our friends. And I don't think that's changed. That has not changed. And because there are a lot of developers behind the games, that we know and we like, and we know they're doing good work. They're pouring, like Joe said, they're pouring their hearts into these games, trying to make them fun for us. And I support them. I know there are a lot of good people at Blizzard, even if management is complete garbage. And they have to fix that. We have to try and fix that. Uh, honestly, I don't, we're not just turning the site around or anything like that. We're still gonna talk about plenty of Warcraft. And we're going to support the employees that are there. I think that's really important to support the employees. Um, I am looking at talking about a little more off-topic content. 
And of course, one of the things I'm looking at is people on staff who are interested in writing about Final Fantasy XIV, even though, as Joe also said, the developer still has problems with the same areas. So it's not necessarily that all of our problems were solved if we became like a Final Fantasy XIV site. Uh, but I am, and we've been doing this for a really long time, is adding a little bit of off-topic content here and there. Um, and I think we kind of slowed down on it because we started talking about D&D and that was really popular and we kind of started doing that and we didn't, I kind of stopped exploring because a lot of things we were trying just weren't doing very well and we'd hit on this thing with tabletop RPGs and we kind of stuck with it. So right now I'm looking into kind of doing more game coverage and seeing what we can do there and kind of broadening a little bit. And I also, I wanted to for a long time and I think Joe and Matt have both been on board with this to do more TTRPG content. And one of the things was we'd attached more TTRPG content to a Patreon goal, which we've never met. But I finally talked Dan into, I control editorial, Dan controls the first strings, basically. I talked Dan into letting us do, you know, a podcast that's really about tabletop gaming, uh, because we all love that. Uh, I know our readers love that. And, you know, now's a good time to make sure we have things to talk about that aren't Blizzard when everything is terrible, if that makes sense. And from my so perspective, I, um, mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to just say is uh, I started, you know, I started back with WoW Insider. Right. Uh, when I got hired there. Uh, I'm going to point out now, I don't bring this up very often, but one time Liz told me that she didn't want to hire me. <laughs> and, and I've never forgotten it. Can I put that into context? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's no. fine. <laughs> It's no, fine. no, you were completely right. To not, you know, you were completely right not to want to hire me. Is what I'm <laughs> going to say. Is, there is context there, and I think I said that in a way, and you took that in a completely different way, and I still feel really bad about it because what I was trying to say, we had a bunch of warrior applicants, and it came down to two of them, and you were one of them, and I thought, no, I like this other guy a little better, and what I'm trying to say is, I was wrong. Because you've been fantastic with the site for so many years. Yeah, and but my point was just that, that 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 was just a little joke for the lightning of the movie <sighs> because I've I've known Liz now since 2007. I've <laughs> known Dan since 2007. I've known Joe since 2008. There are a lot of people who have worked here in the past or do work here now that I've known for a long time. Mm -hmm. Without the site and without the community, I would never have done so many things that mm -hmm. i've done mm -hmm. i wouldn't have gotten to write the the warrior entry in the uvg for warlords of draenor i wouldn't have gotten to you know get experience uh writing on a pretty much almost daily basis which is something it's mm -hmm. very hard to do yeah but more importantly the community saved my life when my when my eyes exploded like i had blood in my eye blocking my vision and I didn't have Canadian residency or citizenship, so I couldn't get medical treatment up here. It was the community that that helped me. Uh, it was the community that gave me the, the money that I needed to pay to so I wouldn't go completely blind and I wouldn't die. Yeah. And when I got, finally got to go to BlizzCon in 2019, I was excited to meet people who worked on World of Warcraft and Diablo and all that. I, and I really had a great conversations with Steve Denuser. And, and Christy Golden, and was really happy to have met them. And I'm still happy to have met them. And I was happy to get to finally talk to Taryn Gregory, who's been really nice to me for years. He's that was great. all good. But 
it was just the, the people who I never heard of who just play the game, <laughs> like we play the game, who just come up to me and say, hey, I like you, I like what you do, uh, or talk to me about it. it just I selfishly do not want to lose that. Can can I tell a quick story about my f- my two favorite moments that revolve around this community? One of which involves Dan. Um, <laughs> we used to throw the party before BlizzCon. That used to be oh, the yeah. thing, and we would. Oh, yeah. And it was big. It was so big that and it, we kept getting more and more space to the point where a hotel knew we were coming and would make sure it was available for us. Um, mm-hmm. And we used to do a whole bunch of giveaways and trivia and things like that. Um, so. I remember sitting by the table with Dan and somebody coming up to us and saying somebody had just pocketed the brand new WoW Steel Series mouse from our table because uh, I think it was Matt McCurley at the time had looked away to answer somebody's question and somebody took that opportunity to grab it. And Dan and I go running through like the alleyways of of the hotel to grab this person, spin him around and like tell him, give it back and out of our party and it was just this moment and then dan and i just looked at each other and he's like you need a drink yeah you yeah <laughs> but I will, <sighs> I will never forget that just because it was just one of those real surreal moments the other one that this community uh i thought was really really uh fantastic is because gaming is how i met my wife um if it wasn't for wow and gaming and podcasting and this community i never would have met her I, it would not have happened. There's no other way that our paths would have crossed. Uh, and Matt talks about how the community saved his life. That saved me. I was in a very, very dark place before that. Um, and there were many nights where Matt Lowe would be calling me to make sure that I was okay. Internationally, coast to coast, um, just to make sure that I was good. And I wouldn't have had that support structure if it wasn't for this. I mean, sh- I... I- <laughs> I don't want to let that go. And that's 100% selfish. And I get that. But I would rather make it the best that it can be and give back to it and make it good for other people so they can have those moments too. Ultimately, why should we leave? They're the ones that suck. Bingo! Wow has always been about the community. We log on to talk to each other and hang out with each other. That is the heart of it. The The game can almost be secondary to that. When the community is good, when you're playing with a good group of people, you have fun. So it's about the community. We're here for the community, and we're not gonna we're not gonna go away. We're not gonna stop, and we're not gonna talk stop talking about the bad issues and trying to get change because you gotta do that. Mm-hmm. If we walk away, if we walk away, nothing changes. We're just going to wind up talking about different things that have their own problems. And Hazelnutty, I think, said it best. If mm-hmm. you walk away and you all the good people get up and walk away, all we're doing is leaving behind a place where the bad ones can can survive and and that think that yeah. what they're doing is okay. But I mean, we have gone significantly over time, and <laughs> I have a sick cat I have to give medication to. So we usually do a couple of inch exit things. Uh, I don't know that they're appropriate this time, so I'm going to just say <sighs> tomorrow is going to be interesting, and so are the days to come. We're going to be watching because that's what we do. And we'll tell you what we think as honestly as we can, because that's what we do. I want to thank Liz for coming on. Yes. Because like, like I said earlier, it would have just been me and Joe. And quite frankly, I think we need to hear a lot less from a bunch of guys. Uh, uh, 
One thing, one thing I will say before we go is to, if you, if you like the site, if you like the community, if you want to hear us talk about something that's not a Blizzard game for a while, uh, tune into our Tavern Watch podcast this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, we're going to talk about tabletop. We're probably going to talk about some D&D because there's a lot of new D&D stuff this month. Uh, and I hope we're going to have a good time. We're going to record it live and it'll be on Twitch and then it'll be available as a podcast later. Uh, with music written by yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I don't know. I just hope things get better. That's that's where I am with. Thank you think- guys for being here. Both of you. Uh, Liz and Joe, and thank you to everybody who came in to listen to us talk about this. <laughs> and I'd love to talk more about it, but at the same time, I don't really want to talk anymore about it right now. Yeah, um, I, I think the community and Blizzard employees have taken a really good step to making it better. And by talking about it, we take a first step to making it better. So I think, hell, there's nowhere to go but up, right? I hope. I sincerely. I hope, hope. too. I hope too. We as, can all hold on to that hope. As my as my aunt used to say, light the candles and make tomorrow a better day. And uh, okay, at this point, guys, I am going to stop the recording. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you, um, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>